0: Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens.
1: I'm
2: Christina Roberts.
0: I'm Chris Roberts.
2: I'm Christina Kaiser.
1: We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. As we start 2024, we thought it would be fun to check in with our podcast community and talk about ways we hope to engage this new year. And what better way to enter into the year than to talk about various aspects of self-care, as I think that's such a relevant topic for most of us. And just to foreshadow, over the course of this month, we will be interviewing people from varying backgrounds and fields of expertise about their life experiences and what they've learned over the years, particularly around this idea of self-care. And so we thought we'd take a moment and talk about Self care for spiritual directors to kick off our series, as this happens to be our vocation here as the podcast hosts. And even if you're not a spiritual director, or as some people call it, a spiritual guide, hopefully you can find something that applies to your own life. And so as we consider the area of self care as a spiritual director, I wonder what comes up for the two of you.
0: Oh, that's such a great question. Even knowing what the podcast was going to be about, it's oh, yeah, this is so important. I, I think there are physical things that have to do with my self-care. And then I think there are spiritual things. And so I think because often we think about the physical, when we think about self-care, I think I'll just name the spiritual. And I think for me, I think poems that help me delve into the inner landscape are a part of my spiritual care. So I think I sit with people's stories. And I think for myself to to unwind from that, I read poems that talk about the inner landscape. And what it does for me, it says that we're all on this journey. We all have this work to do. And so I am not a fixer or that isn't what I do as a spiritual companion to others. So I think whatever connects me to the human story, but also allows me to touch into my own interior landscape is super beneficial for my.
2: Yeah. I think first I will say that the best training on self-care that I think I ever received was in spiritual direction training. I just think They do such a good job of foreshadowing, look, you're going to be sitting with people's stories and you're going to be hearing things and you need to take good care of yourself. And here's this whole smattering of resources. So I will first say how thankful I am for that training. And I wish absolutely everybody in the world could get that exact same training. (laughs) And I think maybe just like one thing that I realized early on, and I think it is very much related to the busyness of life and how I tend to put myself Below other people's needs, and I'll always put myself last, was purposely scheduling these meditation groups. I just felt like I will show up if it is on the calendar, if it is with other people, and we can like share leadership, but just saying we're going to sit together for 20 minutes in this contemplative way. How many breakthroughs, how many exhales, how many moments of releasing the muscles, of starting again have happened just because I've said, oh my gosh. And and I will say the longer that that standing appointment has been on the calendar, the more often I will say to myself, should I not go today? Is today too much of one of those days where I have too much work? And then I will just push through and go and then, okay, Oof. <laughs> I am so glad. But it's funny to note, even even when they talk about things becoming a habit and now it'll be just ingrained in you. Interestingly enough, I notice, and also we also ask ourselves, maybe I've done it enough. Maybe I don't need to keep going. And in fact, boy, yes, as soon as I sit with people and realize, I don't know exactly why I'm tired today. Maybe it's because there's a break coming and I'm already there. And I already want the break, but that cues me in. I need more of this kind of slowing down and self-care experience.
1: I think for me as a spiritual guide and in spiritual care for others, I have a lot of autonomy over my schedule. And so I don't have to be somewhere at a certain time typically in a given week. And so I think part of my self-care and different people structure their practices differently is when I have say a day where I'm sitting with maybe five people in a day, then making sure that I have space the next morning or the next day to have some downtime where it's not just continual back to back around those types of things. And so I would say scheduling and having large spaces of downtime sprinkled into the week is really helpful. And I would say, in addition to that, having time for what I'm calling deep work. So I think there's um kind of uh, work that is a little bit more low key, like responding to emails or doing my bookkeeping or things like that to, to keep things running and going. But having that deeper work of sometimes I sit with stories or just even in my own, even not even heavy stories, but like really inspirational. Like I sit with a lot of people and what they say is really inspiring to me. And maybe they'll mention a book or a podcast that they listen to. And in the moment, it's not mine to go out down my curiosity train of thought and tell me more about that. But I'll note afterwards, like I'll make a little note after a session of, Oh, I want to check that book out or that thing that person mentioned that was so life-giving to them. And so opportunities where I can have that deeper space of exploring and cultivating my own curiosity around spiritual things that keeps me sharp and fresh. So I would say a lot of my self-care in my practice has to do with quite honestly, my calendaring and how I'm structuring a particular week.
0: Yeah, I totally can relate to that. Christina Roberts, making sure that I have plenty of time in between The stories that I'm hearing, like where I've, I'm able to let go of them. And I think I'm the type of person that typically if I'm sitting with things that are heavy, my tendency is avoidance to flee away from it. And so I then go into like, um, binge watching something that as escapism and what I've discovered is that really doesn't help me. And so I think a way for me to reflect on what it is that I'm sitting with and be, to be able to release those is super important to to my self-care. And I think one of the things that comes to mind is sometimes this is serious work that we're doing. I think everybody would say that their work is serious work. But I think there can be a tendency to be too serious and to take yourself too seriously. And so I think just the ability to laugh at life, laugh at situations, I think grounds me in a way that is also a way of just releasing all the seriousness that that I'm holding. So, I would say that's super important to to self care.
2: Yeah, and even as we're sitting here talking, I realize a lot of spiritual directors I know they're doubly employed somehow. There's more than one thing bringing input into life and. This is true of myself as well. And so sometimes, if I'm going to my spiritual director or my supervisor, in a way, the thing that I'm bringing is how much of that emotion I've been absorbing all this time. Is that we talk about this sometimes. Oh, we have these people that are maybe highly sensitive and they feel, or maybe they're empaths. We have these terms for it. But so I've done, sometimes people have given me a ritual. Oh, you can step out and you can brush it off and then fluff up your feathers. Or sometimes it's more of a spiritual practice. Oh, have you thought of Tonglen and the Buddhist tradition as a way of inhaling and acknowledging all that difficulty and exhaling and sending blessing out? And so I often utilize these kinds of practices because it doesn't matter if I'm a spiritual director or not. I think this is innate in me. To absorb and feel what other people are feeling. And even if I say, stop doing that, it's not that easy. So
1: I think another thing for me as it relates to self care is just the reality that it's changing a lot and to be aware of the needs for those nuances and changes. And things like the types of books that I'm reading, continuing education, what I'm signing up for or not signing up for, but even the practice of my own personal retreats. And for years I've taken personal retreats. I have a retreat center five minutes from my house. However, I now see people for spiritual guidance at this retreat center. And so I remember probably two years ago, going on a personal retreat there. And it no longer was a place for me to retreat to because there's so many work stores, like, oftentimes, I'll walk with people that I give guidance to. And as I was going on my personal walk, it was like, I was carrying the stories of others and like remembering different conversations around this bend or near this lake. And so I remember, okay, I'm like, I have to stop myself. And I like picked a different route to walk that was a little bit more unfamiliar and going a different way to disengage with that. And then at the end, recognizing, okay, you know what, I have to distance myself more and probably go a little bit further away from home to have that own personal experience. And so just recognizing that, Things ebb and flow. And at one point the convenience of five minutes was more important to me. And now recognizing that's too convenient and I need to have a little bit more space and just recognizing that again, just like everything in life, that self-care has to change as our practices grow or develop and things like that.
2: Yeah. Along the lines of the retreats, there are times, and sometimes I've done them virtually, as many of you all know. Like I I don't really shy away from the virtual aspect, but It'll be like, okay, I've prepared the dinner. It's over there. I'm going to lock myself in the bedroom and this is mine. And so I'll set the bedroom space up or maybe I don't really use our office space because there's not a good lock for it, but our bedroom has a lock. So sometimes it's getting creative, but it is that again, scheduled, elongated time, And I've probably shared this in the past, but if I'm going into that, I'm going to bring all my colors and paper. I'm going to indulge and do the things that I can't do with a two-minute break or I can't even necessarily do with a peer group or something like that. But a way to listen deeply, I think.
0: I think one of the beautiful things about spiritual companioning, spiritual direction, is that people come to spiritual direction for a lot of different needs, right? There, I think there's a lot of different motivations, wisdom seeking, fun in the calendar. What's my unique contribution to add to the world? uh, Just a a variety of reasons. And so for me, I, I love the different reasons that people come for spiritual companionship. But I think something that I you know, I find to be super valuable is the, the whole notion of practicing what you preach, and some of the things that I would say, or some of the questions that I would ask. Turning those back on myself seems to be super important, and just practicing the rules that that we want to live by. And so, I think that's super important for me for self care.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I think, I know we're specifically talking about spiritual guidance, but even when I think of like yoga practitioners or therapists or things like that, like the yoga practitioner, when they're teaching the yoga class, even though their mats out and they're maybe doing some poses, that's not their yoga practice because they're there to hold space for their students and to help them in. And then they are recognizing, I have to have my own yoga practice outside of that or therapists having where they're listening to stories, but then they're talking to their peer groups to problem solve or to share maybe heavier stories. And so I think it'd be important for us to mention today that A huge part of self-care for spiritual guides is seeing our own spiritual guide and also having some sort of supervision, whether that be with a peer group or an individual one-on-one supervisor. And both of those, and and Christina, to your point, that's really emphasized in training programs. And I don't know of a training program that you can enter into without having that you are currently seeing a spiritual guide. That's just part of it. And so I think that's a wonderful practice baked in. And so regardless of what your vocation is, knowing that whatever I'm giving out to others, that it's important for me to. Receive that as well. And I would say, too, even that has changed earlier on when I was being my spiritual guide, just for my own personal refreshment and growth, spiritual deepening, shifting that to both a spiritual guide and a supervisor where I was teasing out those things. But even recognizing over time, that's been evolving. And when I meet with my spiritual guide, and for those that are in spiritual direction, you start where you start. There's no, it's different from maybe an accountability group or coaching where, you know, you're setting goals. And the next time you meet, you're like, did you reach those goals? Or you want to be held accountable for something? You just show up how you show up to spiritual guidance and whatever's fresh that day you bring. There's not a preconceived agenda. But I have found for myself, going back to my notes from my last time that I met with my guide and bringing that as a reminder of last time we talked about this and taking just a couple of minutes to check in and to verbally say, this is where I was last time we met. I'm acknowledging and naming that maybe I want to build off of that and say something, or maybe I just want to say, this is where I came from last month or last six weeks ago. And this is how I'm showing up today. That's been really helpful for me just to have some continuity in my practice. And again, I didn't used to do that and I may not do that in the future, but for this season, that feels really relevant to me to connect the things that I'm doing. Because again, I think to your point, Christina, oftentimes people who are spiritual guides as a vocation, I think there's definitely people that do this as a side thing, not a prominent thing, but if this is your primary vocation, I think there is a lot of piecing together things and your schedule looks quite mosaic in a lot of in a lot of ways. Like you're maybe doing some educational pieces, retreat work, group spiritual direction, one-on-one, there's not a set thing. And for me, sometimes having something that connects those dots has been really helpful. Yeah. I think.
2: Another thing that comes to mind, I wasn't good at this at an earlier time in life, but at some point I just said, I wonder if I can get back to those little interests that I have. And so now I do uh, like music groups, like kind of group music stuff together. And there's something really beautiful about making music together, the harmony and the sound and the fun and the joking. And so I do think it's worth it to ask ourselves, what are my interests and is there any way that I could invest even a little bit into those interests? Because I think I
1: feel like a whole person.
2: <laughs> My interests matter too. And that can get lost sometimes.
1: I like that. And I, and I think to your point too, Chris, about it doesn't all have to be heavy. And it doesn't have to be like, now I'm reading a spiritual book about how to do the next meditation thing, of like, sometimes it's just a lighthearted, it's something extra or different. It's cooking, it's music, it's something totally different than what your actual vocation or practice is. And I think that can just be so refreshing as well.
0: Yeah. Hallmark is definitely spiritual care where all turns out how it's supposed to in the end. That's something we love to do is we love to watch cheesy Hallmark movies, particularly around the holidays, but uh, Hallmark is spiritual care for us.
1: Well, thank you so much for this conversation today, and we look forward to unpacking the idea of self-care over the next several weeks. Hope you can join us. And now is the part of the podcast where we talk about what we are into. So what are we into today, my friends? It's a winding road, but... We are currently wondering if we want to buy a
2: pizzelle maker. So it's like a specialty. For a while, we've had this no more small appliances in the house because they just multiply. But we found gluten-free struples and I need gluten-free stuff. And so it's annoying to buy specialty gluten-free items. They'll always cost more. So we've wondered, do we want to have struples? Do we want to have the option to have struples? In which case you would need a pizzelle maker. I don't know. The jury is out, but we are thinking about it. Maybe we're the type of people to have a pizzelle maker. <laughs> that's us.
0: Now I have to decide whether or not I'm vested in what a Pizzele is enough to Google it after our podcast. P e z e p
2: i p i z e l e. It's like a thin pastry. It's like a waffle that's very thin and maybe three or four inches in diameter
0: my fingers that type in Google, thank you for your explanation. Right now, I am into middle school basketball. Our middle child is on a basketball team, and it's just the start of the season, and they're all into it. They're undefeated so far, and there's a lot of pressure on that, but they're playing super well together, and I'm I'm into showing up to the games and cheering them on, and I love the questions. Hey, Dad, what can I do to improve? And it requires me to look at it in in a different way because I love to be encouraging, and so you've got to find unique ways to encourage your children in their sports endeavors. Middle school basketball.
1: Yes. And middle school is such a fun, like from fifth to eighth grade, why there's so many changes in your physical and mental capacities. So I agree. It's very fun. I am into thin gloves. And so I live up north. It's cold. We have to wear gloves. But Okay. If I'm sledding, yes, the big bulky thick gloves, but on an everyday walk, they're just like too bulky and clunky or whatever. And although my husband makes fun of me with my thin gloves, cause he thinks that they don't keep me warm enough. I really like my thin gloves that I wear, like my walking gloves, I guess I'll call them. So that is what I am into. Thank you so much for joining us and until next time, make it a great week.
0: If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.